0: Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for the Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Dr. John. Hello.
1: uh, Hello. Hello. Uh, well, since you guys are Christian thinkers... Sorry, I just want to leave that question. I wanted to get your input on that. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you, Douglas. That's my question. Oh, thanks a bunch. Thank you.
0: Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president
1: of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston.
0: Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is Jeremiah. Thank you for joining us. Friends, we have a special broadcast today. I want to talk about evangelism. I want to talk about how we can be better at sharing our faith, and I also want to discuss The Power of Miracles. Guess what? There's no one better to talk to than my dear friend of many years, as you're going to hear and learn, Mr. Lee Strobel. Of course, Lee Strobel is this multi-perennial best-selling author. You've probably seen, if you haven't, you must see the Case for Christ movie. Oh, what a powerful movie that is. Um, I want to give as much time as I can. To these discussions. So many of you have texted me about miracles or about how you can share your faith better. I want to jump right in and I want to give Lee as much time as possible. So stay with us the entire broadcast. Trust me. I know that God is going to use Lee Strobel to encourage you today. I want to challenge you. Will you send this show to someone, send the podcast to someone who maybe doesn't believe in miracles or they think that God passed them over for a miracle? We're going to discuss all of those questions today. We're going to be back in 90 seconds talking evangelism, sharing our faith, and the case for miracles. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the program. This is Jeremiah and friends. I am I am so ecstatic uh, to be joined by Lee Strobel today, who is coming to us via phone. Lee, thank you so much for being on the program today.
1: Well, thanks, Jeremiah. It's always great to be with you, my friend.
0: Hey, um, Lee, do you remember when we first met? Do you have any idea when that was?
1: Boy, it was quite a number of years ago.
0: <laughs> it was. It was. You're exactly right. I love. Uh, I love to share this. Audrey and I. We were. Before Uber existed, Audrey and I, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend, and we weren't even engaged. And, of course, friends, we've been married 15 years now, so this tells you how far back this was. Uh, We were your Uber to the airport one day, or maybe from the airport, (laughs) and that's the first time we met you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's awesome. You were Uber before Uber.
0: That's exactly right. And I I say that to say this. Uh, Lee, um, I feel such a connection with you, and you've been nothing but a constant source of encouragement to me to keep pursuing my calling to trust the Lord with that calling and I just want to say with this entire radio network listening just how grateful I am to you for just the friend you are and I know you encourage so many in, in many quiet ways and I've been one of those people you've been like just a constant encouragement to so thank you so much
1: well, thanks Thanks for saying that. It's uh, been a joy to watch how God's used your life and and uh, kind of watch you grow up. I mean, you've, yeah, exactly. you've gone off, you've got a great education, you've been making a huge impact through your books, which are fantastic. Uh, you're cutting new ground, Your your radio program, and you're just... You're getting the word out that our faith is not built on mythology, make-believe, wishful thinking, but it's built on a solid foundation of historical reality.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, I want to jump right in here, uh, Lee, because as you know, um, I've been asked over 20,000 text message questions at our events, uh, through not only in the United States, but wherever we do events. And I want to jump right in because there seems to be... Um, a level of confusion around evangelism, and we love evangelism. And can you talk about, for a moment, and I'm presupposing many in the audience, I mean, we're going to get to your testimony in a segment, but I I want to just jump right into the importance of evangelism. Why do we need evangelism right now? What is it? Why is it important?
1: Well, I think it's becoming increasingly important. I think it's changing. You know, we have, you know, if you had the cure to a, a, a fatal illness, uh, you would be immoral if you kept it to yourself. And uh, we, you know, have been given through Jesus Christ, uh, His gospel, His message of hope and grace that opens the door of heaven to us, that uh, leads to eternal life with Him and in, in heaven. And uh, it would be disgraceful if we as Christians didn't share that with other people who are spiritually curious or spiritually confused. And I think it's one of the great joys of the Christian life. I do think it's changing quite a bit. My friend Jay Warner Wallace likes to say that evangelism in the 21st century is, is spelled apologetics. Yeah. And um, certainly the need for us to be able to give reasons why we believe what we believe is becoming increasingly important. Uh, but that's good news because, fortunately, we have a defensible faith. And uh, that gives us an opportunity to share that uh, we're not uh, followers of Christ uh, out of some... Um, uh, hallucination that we've been having but um, we're following him because there is solid evidentiary uh, reasoning behind our decision to follow him
0: and that really leads into i think sometimes when people think evangelisms they think of billy graham although lee i was actually talking to someone two days ago at our daughter's gymnastics practice god bless him what a great guy just love this guy and we were having a discussion about faith actually this radio broadcast and somehow i brought up billy graham just assuming this very fine young man knew who he was, and he said, well, who's that? Do you all work together? Uh, and yeah. there was just <laughs> – we've, we've, we've lost something funny, of
1: this. It's funny to say that because I did a sermon uh, a few years ago called What Jesus Would Say to Billy Graham. And I got notes afterwards from people saying, well, you should explain who Billy Graham is.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm mean,
1: stunned by
0: that. <laughs> I mean, what what is that? I mean, I, you know, I understand it. I mean, is that because we're truly living in a post-Christian world? Can we still be effective at evangelismly?
1: Oh, I think we really can. I think it's changed a lot, though. You know, yes, there are people like my good friend Greg Laurie, who is doing stadium kind of evangelism events. Uh, Luis Palau and Andrew Palau, who are doing festival events. So I think the the mass evangelism kind of opportunities are still there to some degree. But I, the trend that I've seen that I am most excited about is evangelism through uh, small groups, Uh, small groups where six or eight non-believers get together with a Christian couple or two Christians and uh, they go on a a journey together they meet uh, every week say for a couple months and they talk about their spiritual questions and so forth and it's a great way for people to give their opinions to interact to have a conversation to have a dialogue and um, I found that to be a very exciting development in fact when I was in Chicago at a church, um, we hired Gary Poole, who's a leader in this area, and said, come start these groups at our church. Pretty soon we had 1,100 nonbelievers in these groups. Wow. And we tracked them over a period of years, and we discovered that if a nonbeliever joined one of these groups and stayed in it, 80% came to faith in Christ.
0: Wow. 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 So so, I, I'm very I mean, excited
1: about that. In fact, there's a, a church on California that started to do it based on what we had done. And uh, we were talking to the guy who runs it, and we said, what percentage of people uh, who, who are not Christians who join your group become Christians? And he looked at me and said, they all do. Wow. <laughs> They've never had somebody not become a Christian who joined one of their groups.
0: What are what's I mean what is that is that the power of the relationship the trust built the opportunity to, as you said to go on a journey together and as a follow-up to that Lee do you have any materials or resources on your website over at LeeStrobel.com if somebody wanted to start this or we have thousands of pastors that listen to this program do you have any resources that to, of doing these groups.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, by the way, the answer to your question is yes on all those. It's it's a development of trust. It's a friendship. It's a relationship. Um, through the training that Gary Poole does, he helps people who lead those groups understand that, Um, don't just jump in and give an answer to a question that comes up. Um, Let people discuss it, and then once they discuss it, bring a biblical perspective. But this isn't an opportunity to put the Christian on the hot seat and pepper him with tough questions. It's more of a a friendship and opportunity uh, to uh, engage in spiritual conversations. The book that I, I, I told Gary for years, you've got to write a book to explain how to do these groups and how to start these ministries in church. And he finally did. Um, these days we call these groups spiritual discovery groups, like but um, he used an older term when he wrote the book a few years ago. So it's called Seeker Small Groups, Seeker, seeker Small, small, small groups. groups, and it's an A to Z guide on how churches can start that ministry.
0: Spiritual discovery groups and friends if you 're just joining us across Faith Radio Network, you probably recognize his voice i 'm joined by lee Strobel best selling author, amazing apologist, a wonderful guy, a great family man, and someone you absolutely have to connect with on twitter at lee strobel lee i 've got to just pause for a moment. Tell me, I, I mean, Lee, you're making me feel bad. I travel a lot. And <laughs> when I get to an airport, I like want to go run and take a nap as I wait. And you're sitting there doing evangelism. You, I want you to talk about this for a minute. I think it is so creative. Friends, if you don't know what I'm talking about, connect with Lee on Twitter. But he'll tweet out, you know, I'm in the New York airport. I'm at gate Bravo 35. I'll buy your breakfast and let's talk about Jesus are people responding to this are you meeting up with people in these airports <laughs> how do you have the energy to do this
1: it's been a real um, adventure <laughs> I I, I, tw- I was in one airport and I tweeted out hey I'm in gate uh, B43 whatever it was and um, any Twitter friends out there come by I'll buy you breakfast and it was not more than 30 seconds before there's a tap on my shoulder <laughs> and there's a guy there and I said hi and he, he said yeah I saw your Twitter I said great let's let's have breakfast and talk about Jesus and uh, so, yeah, I've had people just walk up to me, and um, uh, we have a great time, wonderful discussions. You never know what's going to happen, and and I just want to seize. I, I don't want that dead time in the airport to be non productive. I want to be able to share Jesus with uh, people I encounter.
0: So powerful. I want to switch gears and ask you about something more timely, Lee, as far as in the news media. In the last few days, uh, another Barna research um, Barna, uh, research has released that there. I'm sure you may have seen this. Uh, that 69 percent of pastors feel pressured about talking about issues they don't want to offend anyone what are your thoughts about this
1: well you you mean you talk about social issues or political issues
0: yeah yeah basically is what the is what the research points to
1: yeah you know golly it's it's a rough line i think for pastors to to walk because you want to, uh, you're there to uh, talk about a different kingdom. You're there to talk about God's kingdom. You're there to talk about uh, how people can encounter God, have their lives changed by him, their eternities rewritten by him, and uh, you want to focus on those things. However, Jesus also talked about uh, certain social issues and um, obviously care for the, uh, for the uh, spiritually confused, for people who are mm. immigrants, for people who are um, uh, poor and in need um, Uh, people in the shelter and so forth. So, you know, but one of the things that churches are doing, this is very interesting, is um, they're doing evangelism through this kind of social action. It's not one instead of the other. I'll give you an example. When I was at Saddleback Church with Rick Warren a few years ago, our big evangelistic harvest was at Easter every year, and we would have up to 2,000 people come to faith at Easter. But I believe it was 2011, we had more people come to faith at our food pantry than come to faith at our Easter services. Wow. Um, and the reason is because Jesus cares for people who are hungry and in need, and so we had a food pantry to, to feed people during uh, a recession and during tough times, and we, we seize that opportunity as a way to let them know what our motivation is, which is to love them because God first loved us. Um, when Jesus said, um, let your light shine among others, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The word in good there in, in Greek doesn't mean just do good deeds as opposed to bad deeds. There's another connotation of winsome and attractive deeds. And so what Jesus is saying is serve other people in a winsome and an attractive way that causes their eyes to drift heavenward toward your heavenly Father who motivates you against the grain of this me-first world to put somebody else's needs first. Uh, that's a form of evangelism. That, you know, that is uh, that is putting the um, hands and feet to the teachings of Jesus that he loves all people.
0: It's so powerful. I love that thought because, it, I mean, in, in so many ways, I love that verb because, when we talk about adorning the gospel I love this we actually can make the gospel more attractive can't we Lee uh, I think this is what Paul was really getting at we adorn we add cosmetics to the gospel we make it better by doing things to serve people
1: yeah it just it demonstrates not just that we're going to talk about God's love but we're going to put it into action and I I, I think back when I was an atheist and and I encountered several people who served me in extraordinary ways who were Christians Um, uh, that made an impact on me and, and made me more, I believe, more willing to consider the Christian message.
0: So powerful. Friends, we're talking to Lee Strobel. We've got to jump to a 90-second break. But when we come back, I want to talk about miracles. He's recently released a powerful book on miracles. I've got a lot of questions related to this. Uh, and it's so great to hear Lee with us today. We're talking about evangelism. If you've just jumped in across Faith Radio Network, this is definitely a, pr- a program you're going to want to go back and listen to. So thanks so much for all of you who have subscribed to the podcast. Where you just get it pinged on your phone when the program shows up. Don't go, go away. I'm back with Lee Strobel in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the program. This is Jeremiah. I'm joined by Lee Strobel. I want to encourage you right now to connect with him on Twitter, at Lee Strobel. I just love following Lee on Twitter. I love seeing the things he's doing, the great places where he's speaking, all the exciting ministry that he is engaged with. And we've been talking about evangelism. And Lee, I, just, I want to ask you something. As somebody who speaks in seminaries and you go around to universities, why Why do you think, and feel free to take this answer anywhere you feel like it, but I, I have such a passion for evangelism. I, I said at a recent men's event, I have claimed my street where I live. I live around 16 homes on a single street. I've claimed my street for Jesus Christ. Like, I, I literally have. I drive down my street, and Lord Jesus, this street is my responsibility. But I, I honestly can't tell you, Lee, and I want to be as transparent as I can, I have two master's degrees. I have a Ph.D. As you said, I've had the opportunity to study at some amazing places. I don't know that I had a single class in evangelism in that entire, entire educational track. And yeah. I was blessed to rub shoulders with guys like you and just be, be Ubers and with my dad. But I've never really been trained at, at that level. Why don't we do more training in evangelism, do you think?
1: Boy, that is a great great question you know here's what i think is one of the big shortcomings of the church today um i have a friend who's a businessman very successful and he said to me you know there are only two things that you need to do to be successful in business said, really what are they and number one you got to keep your present customers happy number two you got to get new customers and then he looked at me he said now who in the church is in charge of new customers uh and it was a it was a startling question because if you got on the phone right now and you called up an average Christian church in an average city, and you said to the receptionist, um, "Who's your senior pastor?" Oh, that's Bob Smith. Oh yeah, who's your um, worship leader? Oh, that's so and so. Okay, who's your student ministry leader? Oh, that's so and so. Okay, who's in charge of evangelism? Oh, uh, hmm, golly. Um, Mary, in student in in women's ministries, kind of does that a bit. I don't really – we kind of have a missions guy, but he's in Uganda right now. So if there's no name next to an assignment in the church, it's not going to get done. That's right. We need, in our churches, every church in America needs either a volunteer, part-time, or full-time person whose only role is to be the evangelism point leader. That's under right. the direction of the senior pastor, to stay up late night, dreaming, praying, strategizing, how are we going to reach our community for Jesus Christ? What are we going to do? One of his roles is to train everybody in the church how to naturally and effectively share their faith with other people. And then he's going to organize outreach events and all kinds of opportunities in the church to, for people to be able to live that out and share their faith but we don't have that and it's a it's a real void in the church um, and and um, you know my conviction is until we get those kind of people in churches until there's a person whose name is next to the assignment of evangelism not that they're going to be the evangelist they're going to be the leader they're going to organize and train and equip and encourage and inspire the congregation to reach out and do what you did and say this street and in this neighborhood i'm claiming this for jesus christ and i'm going to do all that i can to be salt and light to the neighbors who live here um so uh, you know that needs to happen and how that happens is still a, a, a question mark
0: And it's something, though, that I appreciate you being a thought leader and you shining the light on it. And, Lee, you do it in such a winsome way. Um, I want to ask you two more questions because along these evangelism lines, um, I was filming a Bible study last week with Lifeway on Answers to Tough Questions. It's kind of a sequel to my last one. And I I spent a great deal of time in one of the sessions talking, and this is mainly believers, kind of like you said, in small groups are going to do this study. But I talked about how most believers have never sat down and written out their testimony so that yes. they're prepared to share their story of transformation through Jesus Christ. I used Acts 26 as kind of a template. You know, Paul and he yes. talked about his past about 20% of the time. And the reason I talked about this is, you know, my ministry began doing a Sunday school class, really, after I was a setup. I had graduated from the setup up teardown crew to actually being able to teach a Bible study. <laughs> and so it was slow going at first. But Audrey and I, we did this in our class, and I remember it thinking it was so easy to me. But I asked everyone in our class, write out your testimony. And I remember that week a CEO of one of the local companies, actually a Fortune 100 company, He had to meet with me. He said it was one of the most challenging tasks Hmm. he'd ever been asked. Can you talk about why everyone listening to us right now should develop their own personal testimony and be ready on demand to share it?
1: It's so important to be able to share what Jesus has done in our life and do it in, in, say, three minutes. Um, and, and it is a challenge um you know, and to follow paul 's example when he was before King Agrippa, uh, he talks about his life before he was a, a a a follower of Christ. He talks about how he came to Christ, he talks about how his life had changed and um so it 's a very simple formula but uh I would encourage people not only to write it out but then videotape yourself, use sure your it. cell phone, do a little videotape, and put it on your Facebook page, put yeah. it on your social media pages. Um, So here's a little video of me telling my story of how I met Jesus. And and one of the key things is when you describe coming to faith, don't just say, and then I became a Christian. Uh, You want to spell out uh, the gospel. You want to be able to say, oh, that's when I understood that, um, you know, apart from God, there's no way. I could ever uh, uh achieve eternal life with him and and uh, that I was a sinner that i'd fallen short that i i I'd, I'd done things wrong in my life, and that those were separating me from god, and then I realized that Jesus had you know died as my substitute to pay the penalty for the sins that uh, I should have paid for, and he offers forgiveness and eternal life as a free gift of his grace. And that's when I prayed and I I confessed my sin, I received forgiveness through Christ, and I became a child of God. Um, Enough specificity that someone listening can say, oh, I could do that, or oh, I need to do that. Um, So it, it contains in your testimony the gospel itself that other people can then act upon.
0: And then when we do that, um, well, here's what I love though, and I, and this is where I pre, getting back to you know, lead tweeting in airports, you're available. <laughs> um, I, I, Paul didn't have to speak to Agrippa that day in Acts 26, friends. I mean, he was a Roman citizen. He had appealed yeah. to Caesar. He could have stayed in his cell, but he, in verse 2 and 3, he was eager to go out of his way. And so can you talk for a minute how, it might inconvenience our schedule to tell someone about why we love Jesus, but we should be eager to find those divine moments to share with each other.
1: Yeah, it, it's surprising how much people are interested these days in spiritual matters. Um, you know, often if I shrink back out of fear, or out of hesitation, out of nervousness, and then later I get into a conversation, you can't stop the conversation. It keeps flowing. Why? Because people are more interested than we think they are. And um, so I found that, uh, especially these days, stories are important. Personal narratives are important. And, And when we can relate it to the other person, you know, to be able to say, you know, I used to think like you did. I was a skeptic like you, and I can understand where you're coming from. But let me tell you, you know, I spent two years of my life investigating the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. I became convinced he not only claimed to be the Son of God, he backed it up by returning from the dead. And this is how I received Christ, and this is how my life has changed. Some way of connecting to the other person, uh, stories tend to draw people in especially when we're transparent. I mean, when I give my testimony, I talk about uh, having been a drunk and a, a narcissist mm-hmm. and a self-absorbed uh, a skeptic for much of my early life, and people can relate to that. I talk about how it damaged my family, and people can relate to that. Um, so I want to connect with people, and I want to let them know there's hope, there's a difference, there's a change. The, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we're a new creation when we come to, f- come to Christ.
0: I want to switch gears for a moment because, in the midst of sharing our testimonies and having these faith conversations, and again, if you're just joining us, I want to encourage you to connect with Lee Strobel on Twitter at Lee Strobel on Twitter. We do need to be able, we need to have the ability to be conversant, informed. In our faith, which means the more we know about our faith, Lee, as you've rightly pointed out in an inspirational ways, the more comfortable we are, the better listeners yeah. we are, the more, 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 more we know about our faith. And what I love is you've written this powerful book on miracles, The Case for Miracles. And Lee, I want to tee you up this way. Um Paul and Palestinian Judaism was written by Ed Sanders in the 1970s and this was a man that is by no means an evangelical Christian but he really was a game changer in Pauline studies and in that book I'm just setting it up this way he has a comical entry in his indices truth comma ultimate and it's blank it doesn't refer to any page and it was kind of his snarky way of you know apparently relativism doesn't believe in absolute truth but one thing Ed Sanders did say you cannot argue with the fact that Jesus was a famous miracle worker and exorcist. Those really group together. And I find that really interesting. That Here's a guy that in his own life doesn't hold to absolute truth, uh, the orth- orthodoxy, but yet he says as a historian, as a critical thinker, you can't argue with the fact that Jesus was famous as a miracle worker. Can you talk about that? Because we don't hear enough about Jesus' miracles today, I think, in much of our preaching.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think the, um, the the reality is he's exactly right. The evidence is Jesus was a miracle worker and an exorcist. And um, you, you really can't separate that out from the historical record. I mean, that is so ingrained. That's what um, uh, gave Jesus a notoriety that he ended up having. Um, but you know what? I came to faith through a miracle, which is the resurrection. Wow. And um, having spent a couple of years investigating the uh, historical evidence for that, I became convinced that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and backed it up by returning from the dead. Uh, and then as I my eyes were opened up, as I came to faith, I would read the accounts of the miracles in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and I would say, you know what, they, they're credible to me. They, they, even the skeptics uh, didn't uh, deny them. They just got mad at Jesus for doing them on the Sabbath. So, um uh, but my big hang-up, my sticking point was, is, is, is God still doing miracles today? Yeah. Is he still divinely intervening? So I spent two years in this investigation of the case for miracles to try to determine, do we have credible documents, eyewitnesses, evidence that Jesus, uh, that God is still performing supernatural interventions in people's lives? And I came away absolutely convinced that uh, yes, miracles are still taking place. I I've talked to people and, and investigated their cases. That I, 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 there is no naturalistic explanation. Um, you know, these are so clear cut in terms of something spiritual happened. And now they're do- actually doing uh, scientifically valid investigations into the miraculous um there's a woman with a phd from harvard she's a professor at indiana university who went to mozambique where they were reportedly uh, some an outbreak of the miraculous she went into villages with scientific researchers who would ask for the deaf and blind they were brought out they would test them scientifically to determine what is their level of hearing what is their level of vision they were immediately then prayed for uh, for healing in the name of jesus Um, And then they were immediately tested again scientifically to determine is there any difference. And what did they find? They found that virtually all of them uh, improved to one degree or the other, some of them astoundingly so, like Martine, who couldn't hear a jackhammer next to her ear. Uh, when they first encountered her, and after prayers in the name of Jesus, she could hear normal conversations. Then they went to Brazil to test uh, scientifically those uh, same kind of tests to see if we could replicate that. They did replicate it, and this was a rigorous scientific study accepted for publication in a major secular peer-reviewed medical journal. And uh, so I report on that in the book. I interview with the the scholar who was in charge of that investigation. Recently, there was another peer-reviewed medical journal, secular medical journal, that uh, reported a case study of an extraordinary healing that there is no natural explanation other than God intervening. So we're starting to get some scientific evidence as well. But, um, But some of the stories I encountered just absolutely blew my mind.
0: Friends, we're talking to Lee Strobel about the case for miracles. His new book—it's a tremendous book that you need to add to your Christian library, without a doubt. It will aid any evangelistic faith discussion. We've got to jump to a quick 90-second break. We're going to be back, and I'm going to continue talking about miracles. And one of the more—the book is excellent from beginning to end. But a chapter that really blessed me was the chapter when miracles don't happen. Maybe you're someone who you feel as if a miracle didn't happen that you were asking God for. We're going to ask Lee Strobel about that. Stay with us. Welcome back to all of you listening across Faith Radio Network and those listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show podcast or wherever you're listening from. Uh, it's a blessing to have you with us. And uh, we have Lee Strobel joining us today. And this program is so fun because every single week we talk about difficult questions. But we talk about why it's so important we go to God's word instead of Google with those unanswered questions as we chase after answers in the answer Jesus Christ. Uh, we're talking about the case for miracles Lee Strobel's exciting new book, Um, Lee, and you give so many—you've already given such a great description as as an introduction to this book. And friends, I want to encourage you. Of course, I have an entire Lee Strobel shelf in my library, and I hope you do as well. I mean, I have every case there is. I love the case for resurrection. I love, of course, the case for Christ and the fabulous movie. Uh, But I want to stay on this theme of miracles because I really enjoyed part three quite a bit of your book, Lee the science of miracles we have a lot of people that that work in the natural sciences that uh, engage with this broadcast can you talk about chapter seven the science of miracles i mean it just seems like a contradictory title to some who may be listening to this
1: (laughs) yeah you know i begin the book with an interview with one of the biggest skeptics in america dr michael Shermer, editor of skeptic magazine and founder of skeptic magazine and i allowed him i said give me the case against miracles And I let him do that for three chapters, and then the rest of the book kind of answers those objections and builds the affirmative case. One of the things he brought up was, well, you know, there was a big study um, um, several years ago that disproved miracles. I said, really, tell me about it. He said, well, um, in this study, they had people recovering from um, heart surgery, and they broke them up into different groups. And one group was prayed for, and one group wasn't prayed for, and one group knew they were being prayed for, but... Um, The other group that was prayed for wasn't told they were being prayed for. And ultimately the results show there was no impact of prayer one way or the other. And I said, really, interesting. So I pursued that. What did I find out? I found out that the group that was doing the praying in that prayer study we're not Christians, number one. Number two, they didn't believe in a personal God who did miracles no. or intervened miraculously. Um, and they were the last people you would want to get together to pray in a, in a big test like this. So when I asked a scholar and said, well, you know, what's the relevance of this study? They said, well, basically the relevance is this is how not to do a study on prayer. Um, it said <laughs> nothing about the the efficacy of Christian prayer. Um, And then I find these other studies that do show an impact. Uh, So, you know, I think that's fascinating that we're finding now in in certain, uh, as I say, secular scientific peer-reviewed medical journals publishing articles and studies that uh, point in the direction of something supernatural apparently going on.
0: And, and, and that's powerful for the naturalist, isn't it? And, and can you just talk about that for the naturalist who thinks that you know, there's just nothing beyond? I mean, yeah. what I love, Lee, is you are a careful researcher, and you exemplify so well how we should be as Christians. I love that you gave Michael Shermer the opportunity to talk uninterrupted about the case against miracles, which then you persuasively show is quite light. (laughs) It's very lightweight.
1: Surprisingly light. I I, kind of held my breath a little bit. I said, give (laughs) me your best shot. Why aren't (laughs) miracles possible? And um, I was really surprised at the end at how... How weak the case was! I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about uh, among scientific people about miracles. Uh, a lot of them follow David Hume's reasoning, uh, which and, and Hume made a lot of. He was a 1700s uh, wow. Scottish philosopher that argued against miracles, and he's often cited today as Michael Shermer cited him. And he made a lot of different kinds of arguments, but essentially one of his arguments uh, that carried a lot of weight was, well, you know, miracles aren't possible because uh, they violate the laws of nature. And um, laws of nature can't be violated, therefore miracles can't happen. I mean, that's kind of a simplistic way of looking at his argument, but that's one way of analyzing it. And I think what people misunderstand about miracles is, you know, right now I'm standing here in my office and I've got a pen in my hand. If I drop this pen... The law of gravity says it's going to hit the floor. But if I drop this pen and my wife reaches in and grabs it before it hits the floor, she's not violating the law of gravity. She's not overturning the law of gravity. She's not even suspending the law of gravity. She's merely intervening. And if we have good evidence, as we do, that God created the universe, um, uh, certainly to intervene in the natural laws that he himself created would be like child's play. Uh, a virgin birth for him would be like child's play. That's right. um, so um, I, think, I, I think that this idea that miracles are not possible is a really difficult one to defend. Um, I think we have to look at what is the evidence for miracles. And I, you know, I, I tell one of the stories in my book about a woman named Barbara Snyder, who was uh, no question miraculously healed of multiple sclerosis on her deathbed and uh, 450 Christians were praying for her at the time uh she was curled up like a pretzel she was in hospice she was going to die there was a no resuscitation order on her she hadn't walked in 7 years her legs had atrophied um she had a tube in her throat so she could breathe she had a tube in her stomach so she could eat she was virtually blind she could just see gray shapes And she hears the voice of God saying, get up, my child, and walk. Hmm. And she did. She jumped out of bed. And she she was completely and totally and instantaneously healed. Her mother came running in, fell to her knees, grabbed Barbara's uh, legs, and said, your muscles are back. Your calves are back. Her muscle tone immediately reappeared. Um, Her eyesight immediately reappeared. Um uh, she was completely – and this is a woman whose medical records go back to the Mayo Clinic where she was diagnosed. Uh, we have all of these records of her. Um, and, and two of her physicians uh, ended up writing books about it because they said there is no natural explanation for this. Um, uh, so what do you do with wow. that? What exactly. do you do with the story? And I interviewed Barbara at length, and, and such a one. she's healthier now than I am, and she's um, – You know, she's now this is quite a number of years after the healing. um, Guess what she did? She married a pastor, and today (laughs) they pastor a Wesleyan church out in Virginia. (laughs) Uh, Wow. So I look at stories like that and I say, okay, um, how do you explain this? How do you explain not only the instantaneous, sudden, permanent healing from a a, a disease like this, but at the same moment, she had heard God telling her to get up and walk. which would be like saying to you or me, "Get up and fly." <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. laugh at it, Get up and walk. Exactly. You curl up like a pretzel. <laughs>
0: wow! I, I want to stay on this theme. I think this is such a powerful evangel miracles and evangelism. To me, go hand in hand because it seems that God works decisively in people's lives. In many cases, through miracles, both the person who has acted on with a miracle, and then those God seems to build an audience around them. But yeah. Uh, can you talk about this? I want to know if, if you think this is accurately. I, I hope it is. I quoted it in a recent book, but more yeah. Muslims have come to faith in Christ in the last 10 years than the previous 14 centuries combined. I've heard this said again and yeah. again. In many, ca- Is that true? In, that in many cases, it's because of visions and dreams yeah. they're having of Jesus. Can you talk about this for a moment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I believe that is true. And yes, it is through these r- miraculous visions and dreams that they're having. I have a whole chapter in my book where I interview an expert on this, uh, Tom Doyle, an expert on the Middle East, and and uh, who's written a book on these visions and dreams. And I'm telling you, it is remarkable how in countries and places where it's illegal to share the gospel uh, often, that um, these Muslims who are sincerely questioning and seeking and wanting how they end up having a dream in which a man in white identified as Jesus um talks with them walks with them tells them there's there's hope and redemption through him and um and then as sort of an external affirmation of that they will later encounter Uh, someone who will then share the gospel. In other words, I'll give you an example of a woman in Cairo uh, who had one of these dreams. And in this dream, she's walking with Jesus. She feels incredibly attracted to him and his love and forgiveness and grace. And and she says, tell me more. And he said, well, my friend will tell you about me. And uh, she said, well, who's your friend? And she looks, and there was another man. She hadn't noticed who was with them. And he said, he's my friend. Well, the next day, she's in the crowded marketplace in Cairo. And she sees, a man. she sees the man from her dream. And, and she comes running up to him and says, you're, you're the man. You're oh, the man. You have the same glasses, the same clothes. I say, you're the man. And the guy's freaking out. But it turns <laughs> out he was a missionary. And wow. then he realized what was going on. He was able to share the gospel with her. So often there's this external validation to this. Um, it happened in my church in um, Texas, in the Woodlands, Texas, where we had a woman who, whose husband was in the oil industry, Muslim. They moved over here. She had been seeking uh, uh, the true God uh, in her own way. Uh, she meets a woman uh, from our church, and um, uh, this, this Muslim woman has a dream. And in this dream, she's in a body of water, and there's a man with her with a book. And the man is looking out the horizon, and he's weeping. Well, she had no idea what baptism was. She'd never heard of such a thing, um, but she had this dream. And then uh, she meets a woman from our church. She brings her to our Easter services. As they're waiting for the service to begin, a man named Alan Splan, our Bapt- uh, director of baptism, comes walking down the aisle. She said, that's the guy from my dream. That was the guy <laughs> in the water. This is him. And, and, and she meets Alan. She ends up coming to faith, and sure enough, in our pond at the church, Uh, She was later baptized, just as her dream foretold. So there's that external kind of validation often to these dreams.
0: I love that. It's, so it's not like the Muslims go to bed and, uh, and a Muslim and then wake up a Christian, but God creates right. these, this environment of where they experience his love. I love that. We've got to move on. i I only have time for two more questions, but Lee, and, and again, if you're just joining us on Faith Radio Network or our podcast, I'm talking with Lee Strobel. I want to encourage you to follow him on Twitter and connect with him and definitely get the book Case for Miracles. I had the opportunity to read an advanced version of this book, bu- uh, advanced version of this book that was given to me. And Lee, I just, I wanted to ask you when it was done, but like if I could have asked you any question, writing this book and doing the research you did, what did it do to your prayer life? How did it impact your prayer life? Because it seems in, even in our conversation today, the, this topic of prayer keeps coming up again and again and again.
1: Yeah, it definitely has made me bolder in my prayer life. It's made me more sensitive to the, the, the concerns of others. You know, my wife Leslie has an incurable uh, medical condition that uh, has her in pain every day of her life. So for the last 20 years, every day she's been in pain. She'll be in pain the rest of her life every day unless God intervenes with a miracle, and He hasn't yet. Uh, but I pray differently now. I pray with more confidence now, and and, uh, and and I'm able to see how God has used this affliction in her life to um, uh, for good uh, in in this life. She is a woman of such deep faith and commitment yes, and empathy is. for others and so forth that I don't think she would be if she hadn't gone through this kind of experience. So I do see some good emerging. But, you know, the question of, of what about those miracles that don't happen is a huge issue yeah. for a lot of people. And uh, so in my book, I have a chapter on that interview with Dr. Douglas Groteis, professor of um, uh, apologetics at denver seminary whose wife was dying at the time of an incurable brain condition and uh... their prayers for healing were not answered she ended up dying after the book came out and um... he gives the most powerful answer to that question because it's from his head and his heart um... that i've ever seen i encourage anybody that's going through a question of a period of why isn't god healing someone i love um... That chapter, to my mind, uh, he was so eloquent in, in answering that issue.
0: And it's so powerful, friends. You've got to pick up the book, um, Lee. I ask all of my guests a final question, and thank you so much for spending time with us today on the broadcast. Um, I think vulnerability is the new superpower to reach people. There's so many more questions I want to ask you, Lee. I was speaking at Florida Gulf Coast University recently, and a student walked up to me talking about how evangelism has changed. He said, "I am unlovable." And, I mean, this huh. rocked my world because, you know, I thought, well, when you tell people God loves them, they believe you. Well, I mean, there's yeah. a whole new generation of, that's in despair. They, they don't even imagine there's a God that even loves them. And so wow. there's more we can learn from you. I want to encourage you, friends, stay connected with Lee. I know there's more exciting things coming out as it relates to evangelism. but. I want to ask you, Lee, about your own unanswered question. Um, You're a journalist. I ask every guest on this program, we end it this way, and I I don't even attempt to try to answer it. I just think it's great to hear from our thinkers. What's your unanswered question, or what was the unanswered question that perhaps the Lord allowed you to have an answer to? I mean, if you could ask Jesus anything today, what, what would it be?
1: Well, I would go back to the issue with my wife and say, why Leslie? Why a woman who loves you so much, who's so devoted to you, why don't you just heal her? You could do it in an instant, and yet it hasn't happened. And um, we'll find out someday in heaven. But, you know, uh, as I say, it, it was interesting as I researched that issue, and I look in Matthew chapter 10 where the disciples are given authority to heal, and then seven chapters later they couldn't heal an epileptic boy. So healing was not automatic in the uh, New Testament either. And, um, you know, I have to trust that, you know, when God says, um, uh, ultimately, all my followers will be healed, maybe not in this world, but in the next, um, I have to trust that there is a healing that will come and that uh, as Leslie enters uh, into the new world that she will uh, have complete freedom from her pain.
0: Wow. Wow. So powerful. Lee, I know. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and sharing that. And I don't often do this, but I just sense how the Holy Spirit is using your words right now to bring hope to people's hearts. Do you mind? We have about two minutes left. Lee, will you please just say a prayer for everyone listening right now? There there, there are many who are listening who may be afflicted, like Leslie, your wife. And can you just give a prayer for hope and for peace in the midst of what they're facing?
1: Of course. Yeah, please. Uh, Father, um, we turn to you because there is no better place for us to turn we turn to you because of your love because of your grace because you sent your son to die so that we can be reconciled with you for eternity and uh, we come to you and and some of us have questions some of us have doubts some of us have life experiences that have us confused and i pray by the power of your holy spirit that you would um uh, comfort us that you would give us peace that you would give yes. us courage now, those are the two things we need the most peace for the present courage for the future and um so we pray for those things we pray for um um uh, the fact that you know someday we will have answers and uh in the in the next kingdom we'll have our hands raised in heaven and we'll ask all the questions that we've got and i think we'll get all the answers we need and then we'll Mm. look back and we'll say you know what i guess i didn't really need that answer what i needed was jesus and you Mm. sent him, and he was with me, and he comforted me, and he gave me strength, and he gave me courage, and he gave me peace. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen, and we all say I know amen. If you've missed any of this broadcast today with Lee Strobel, go back and check out the Archive program. Subscribe to our podcast. We've been talking about evangelism. We've been talking about how to share our faith effectively. We've discussed in depth miracles. Grab Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Miracles. Give it to a friend or perhaps to just somebody with questions. Lee, this has gone way too fast, but thank you so much for how you've encouraged us today. God bless you and your ministry. I hope we can have you on again in the future.
1: Well, thank you, Jeremiah. Anytime. Love you and all you're doing.
0: God bless you, Leo. Friends, I'll be back with just a few final thoughts uh, before we finish today's broadcast. Stay with us. back to the jeremiah johnson show in our final segment friends what a broadcast today wow what a conversation with lee strobel what a discussion around real talk about miracles real talk about evangelism real talk about the challenges facing evangelism today in the church and i'm just i'm really amazed aren't you when i listening to lee pray for us as he just did for those that need healing, for those that need a miracle And then at the same time, praying for his sweet wife, Leslie Strobel, who has a debilitating lifelong physical condition. I mean, don't you find it interesting? Don't you thank God for the transparency at work with Christian leaders today like Lee Strobel? He's written a best-selling book, The Case for Miracles, and yet they're still trusting God for the miracle in their own immediate home, and their own immediate family. With Lee's wife Leslie. I love the power of transparency. Don't ever be afraid to be vulnerable with someone. That's an immediate takeaway I want you to have from today's broadcast. Be vulnerable like Lee. Be prepared. Let me tell you something. There's no one more prepared than Lee Strobel to have a faith conversation. But don't ever be afraid to be vulnerable, to show your true self, to to be around Christians and trust Christians enough to believe with you to love with you, and guess what? Also to suffer with you a little bit as well. Friends, be conversant in your faith. See the the great miracles in the Bible for exactly what they are. They are miracles. And guess what? You can ask God for miracles in your life as well. Let me tell you something. I've experienced miracles. Oh, my Lord, have I experienced miracles in my life. I've experienced miracles where I've had to pull over my Jeep. Because I thought I was having a heart attack. It was such an amazing miracle in my life, such an answer to prayer. Uh, And then finally, I loved the discussion right there at the end. We didn't have time to drill down as much as I would have loved to. Make sure you take an immediate step. Miracles come through prayer, through trusting God. It's been a blessing to have you on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. It's been a blessing to hear from Lee Strobel. Check out all of our programs, and we'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. you also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of the Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do it with Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.